0: Before we begin, a reminder that nothing on this podcast is intended as a statement of faith, doctrine, or fellowship, and this podcast is not affiliated with any church, school, or calling body. Welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach, and we're glad that you're here. I'll be joined in just a moment by this week's guest, but before that, I want to say thank you to all those who help support the Gird Up Project. All of our content here at GERDUP is available free to anyone anywhere in the world who might benefit from our message, and we want to keep it that way, but we rely upon the contributions of our listeners in order to do so. You will never see any paywalls or exclusive content here at GERDUP. That being said, it does cost money to put a show like this together, so if you find what we're doing here valuable and you're willing and able to do so, please go to www.girdupministries.com, click on the menu, and select Buy Us a Cup of Coffee. That $5 donation goes a long way towards keeping this podcast going, and it helps us reach other men just like you. God's blessings, fellas. Enjoy the show. Today, we've got a guest on the show, President Rich Gurgel from Martin Luther College. Good evening. Good evening, Charlie. How are you doing?
1: Good. Good to be with you.
0: Awesome. God, Thanks for having First of all, thanks for taking the time to be on the show. We know it's a busy time of year. Uh, I wanted to bring you on and talk, not just because we've had uh, several former presidents from our MLC on, but um, because I genuinely, I love MLC, obviously this isn't an MLC podcast. We're not. Uh, affiliated with MLC or the Wells or anything at all. Um, but uh, we talk about our schooling quite a bit because most of the guys that are on the show are in- involved in some way with MLC, either as graduates or um, as students, especially recently since I've been a student. Um, and MLC has genuinely been um a wonderful experience for me both times around. So the first time through, uh, I was a little bit of a knucklehead, but uh, definitely <laughs> it was a good thing for me. The second time through, um, like I, I lo- absolutely loved the ministry that I was doing out in Milwaukee, but um, it definitely beat me up a little bit. And uh, and and a lot of that has to do with the way I approached it too, knowing that uh, it was it was going to be a more of a short term gig. And so when I came back, I, I was I was pretty beat up. Honestly, um, and MLC has been a overwhelmingly restorative and uh, blessed experience for me. And the fact that I'm headed on not only that I you guys helped me learn Greek and Hebrew, which I never thought I'd be able to do, uh, but wonders the fact, never cease. Yeah, though. wonders never cease. I know I'm not the only guy that feels that <laughs> way too. Both about my own skills and about their uh, learning Greek and Hebrew. It's a tough thing to do. It is. Um, but not yeah. Not only with the academic success, but then also. Um, the fact that I, in a very real way, it's not like I not like I wasn't going to have a career or anything after I left teaching, but um, in a very real sense to have a second shot at doing ministry and doing it in a way that I think is going to be a little a little bit more geared towards the gifts and abilities that I've been given. Um, this is the first time in my life where I felt like I really am where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there, doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So um, thank you for I guess the role you play in MLC, um, but also, I mean, that's my explanation, to, I guess, to the audience why sure. why I wanted you to be here. So, um, I guess uh, let's let's jump into it then with you. You're obviously the president of Martin Luther College that, at that's the moment. What they tell me, Charlie. Yes. Um, so, yes. first of all, let's just start there. What what is it? What is MLC, and uh, what does it mean to serve as president of MLC?
1: Well, I mean, we call it the Wells College of Ministry. So everyone walking the sidewalks and the hallways of our college is at least willing to consider serving in the gospel ministry as a staff minister or teacher or pastor. Uh, What does it mean to serve as president? It it is a very humbling experience uh, when you you think of the fact that uh, the entire next generation of called workers is coming through your school. Uh, If if that's not being done well and faithfully, you can impact the entire church body in a negative way. If it's being done faithfully and, and well, the impact can be uh, beyond counting yeah so yeah that's a bit sobering to remember that it keeps me awake at night sometimes yeah whether that's it should or not whether i should <laughs> be resting in faith and not fear but it, it does it does keep me up at that's night yeah. well it about means that. you take it seriously
0: for sure right if yeah you weren't at least a little bit i don't know i feel like if you weren't at least a little bit conscious of the the importance of the work that you do maybe maybe you wouldn't be i don't know it's well, an awareness of the, the validity and importance of the work,
1: you know? Well, here's the, one of the greatest challenges I see. <laughs> it's not taking myself seriously, too seriously, but taking the ministry of being president of this college seriously. Yeah. Because if I, if I don't keep those two things straight, uh, one leads to arrogance and the other leads to carelessness. So if yeah. I begin to confuse myself with my office, that's arrogance. But if uh, in taking myself not so seriously, I don't take seriously the work, then I shortchange the school.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and that could probably be said of pretty much anybody in a called position, right? Do yeah. You, you have any tricks to the trade on that side of things?
1: Oh, that, well, you're, you're tapping into the last 12 years of my ministry when you asked that question, Charlie. Um, yeah. I think helping everyone who serves in public ministry, but maybe in particularly pastors— to remember that your ultimate calling is not pastor, but child of God. Because if we forget that, that's the only one that lasts forever. Um, our callings in, in public ministry come and go, but our calling as a child of God never, never ends. Um, if we don't remember what our primary calling is, we can get things upside down pretty quickly. And uh, pride or discouragement can get a hold of us. And it's funny, both directions can happen from the same source. Uh, yeah. Forgetting who we are,
0: yeah. All right. Well, so you're obviously trained as a pastor, right? I am. Uh, you went to the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. Did you? Where, where'd you go to high school?
1: Uh, Winnebago Lutheran Academy. Okay. WLA Viking from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. From Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Are you from Fond du Lac then? Def, yeah. Define from? Huh. Well, I. I yeah. <laughs> I grew. I was born in Minnesota. Six months, I lived there, and then my my dad was a pastor, took a call. So yeah, the only home I knew was Fond du Lac, all the way from six months old to college. All right, Yeah, that's home. Do you you have a bunch of siblings and things? I do. I'm the runt of a a litter of six. All right. By far the youngest. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I've often said I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, two Christian parents, uh, five older siblings to learn from, mostly good. (laughs) Sometimes what not to do, but I I, I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek because they were great blessings in my life. right, And still are. Uh, One of them's gone home to heaven, but... The other four older siblings are still around.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I think that's probably true of any any family too, right? <laughs> you certainly learn the things not to do. Yeah, but right. far more often right. learn you learn. I don't know. I think there's an advantage to having a bunch of siblings. Oh you know? yeah. Oh my goodness. Sibling yeah, the encouragement
1: seven. they gave me, and uh, watching them work their way through high school and college, yeah. and two oh, of them are seminary. I suppose you probably
0: sat through a whole lot of concerts and athletic games and things like that. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I was a bleacher rat from our from our long.
0: Long time. As a it's little not kid. a bad life to live. No, no, I not enjoyed it. Not a bad it. life to live at all. Um, so, like I said, you uh, you're right now serving as the president of MLC, but you've got a lot of other a lot of other things going on. You were telling me um, the other day. The re- you spent this well. You even just said you spent this weekend uh, with the grandkids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so three of them. Three of, three of, my of ten, them. Yeah. All right. So, well, mm-hmm. you. So, okay. F- I guess first of all, you've been a grandfather now for, for at least a little while, right? Ten years. Ten yeah. years. All right. What's your favorite thing about being a grandpa?
1: grandparenting is almost all the good parts of dealing with little ones and none of the challenges. I mean, if they get crabby, they go back to mom and dad. Oh, I suppose. You know, they get tired and, okay, I'm done. I feed them <laughs> sugar and then they're all, wi- all wired and then, then I go home. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I it, tease to some degree. But in a, in a very real sense, it's so much of the joy and so little of the, of the challenges that come when you're fully responsible is, I know our sons and daughters-in-law are. Uh, Plus, I think I've learned to slow down a little bit. People who know me know I still walk and move pretty fast, but I used to move through life even faster. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if I took the time when our kids were little to enjoy the wonder of what God does as you raise children and as they mature in Christ, and just as you learn who they are and see their personalities come out. So as a grandpa... I think uh, I've learned to slow down and just watch that a little bit more. Yeah, I wish I could impart that in a sense uh, to the next generation of, hey, it's gonna be okay.
0: This will turn out well. Yeah,
1: awesome. <laughs> I didn't always remember that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I actually I didn't think about this till right now, but I can imagine also there's a certain amount of joy in watching your own son's parent then too, huh? Oh,
1: yeah, that's certainly true. And, uh, and all five of my sons are MLC grads, so two, the oldest is a pastor, the youngest is a vicar, so he's on his way. And then the three in between, uh, high school teacher and grade school principal, and a, and then, a, well, two high school teachers. Yeah. Now, the, the call was taken a couple of years ago. So,
0: yeah, that's fun, too. All right. Uh, five sons, five sons. So, first of all, five kids is more than the average, right? I guess Not a is. lot of families that yeah. are having five kids nowadays, right? Um, was that an intentional thing, or you guys just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> well, no one ever told <laughs> us how that happened, come, right? but uh, yeah, just, all of a sudden, there they were.
1: Uh, well... <laughs> Yeah, God gave us four pretty fast, and then there was an eight-year gap, and uh, oh, my, wow, one more. And uh, they've all been a great blessing to us, but the youngest kept us young. Yeah. Uh, he was born rather late in life, so, yeah, yeah. I, as as I was to my parents, so I, I'm kind of living a, gl- a glimpse of what, <laughs> what it was like to raise children in your 50s and, and yeah. almost into 60s. So. All
0: right. So um, maybe this is a maybe this is an odd question, but it sounds like four. You, you, you didn't tend to have four kids, though, and then the fifth <laughs> came along, right? Yeah. Um, the, and it still is larger than a lot of families nowadays. Um, so what was what was your reasoning, maybe, or wh- why did you want to have a? I mean, a larger family than the American average.
1: Both my wife and I grew up in fairly large families. I, we've, we, as you mentioned, Charlie, I, I have there's six of us on my side. There's five on my wife's side. So both of us lived with many siblings around and, uh, uh, not talking about the TV show full house, but the concept of a full house did not scare us. Uh, so we, we actually looked forward to that and the, and the fun of watching them grow up together. Uh, we're about to celebrate our 40th anniversary this year. And, uh, I know there are days we've, we've forgotten that we wouldn't want to relive, <laughs> but for most of them, they were, they were great, a great blessing. So, yeah. uh. Yeah, I guess we, it's not like we set out and said, oh, we're going to have five, that's the plan. I mean, mm-hmm. God has his own sense of humor at times. Yeah. But uh, to have a large family was something that just it seemed like a great blessing. Happy is a man who has his quiver full of them. Yeah, uh, I think absolutely. I may be using King James there for a moment, but uh, uh, they, they have been a great blessing to us. Yeah. And now it's fun. I'm, I'm now known almost more often in more places I go through my sons than myself, which is great. Oh, I have your son in high school, or oh, hey, oh, your son's my pastor, and, and there are some neat conversations that happen. Sometimes, you know, it's when students come, prospective students, to MLC, and uh, their eyes will light up. You know, they don't know me, but they know one of my sons, and it's fun to see their impact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I would love to talk about your life a little bit more in just a second, but five sons also has to present at least to some extent, a, a, a set of challenges, right? And I guess you don't necessarily know what it's like to have daughters. Um, no, we had the name you... Emily a long time and no one wanted it. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you now, you I mean, you've seen, you certainly have spent plenty of time in ministry and seen a lot of families um, and you, know, you have daughters-in-law and you've seen um, now some of your grandchildren growing up as well. Uh, what unique uh, challenges or maybe, uh, I don't know, I guess, what does what a, a house full of five boys look like? I can imagine it's fairly wild at times. What does a house, <laughs> house full of five boys look like?
1: Well, we Wherever we were, I mean, I was pastor in Oklahoma City, and then David's, uh, Gethsemane, Oklahoma City, David Starr in Jackson, Wisconsin, and then seminary, and then here at MLC. I mean, we're not raising kids anymore now, of course, but those first three places all had gym keys that we had. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, free, free entertainment with five boys and me. We had a team team of six. Uh, yeah, com- probably the one of the greatest challenges was turning their spirit of competition into a positive thing. Uh, rather than an elbow to their brother's head, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, first there'd be one foul in basketball, and then there'd be a a, a charge, and then a, another charge, and yeah, before long we had to call a timeout. And, yeah. uh,
0: and they're all competitive. The the, the, the the sons of yours that I know are all competitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. Yeah, which is awesome. I love it. That's yeah, the way I mean, boys it's a, ought to be.
1: It's a great blessing when when it. You know, I think of it in ministry as resilience, as determination, as mm-hmm. uh, recognizing the cross. Uh, the cross is not a hindrance to us; it's part of ministry, and, yeah. and not to be afraid of it.
0: Yeah, in a very real sense, it's your ability to stand on principles, right? Mm-hmm. Which might not always play out well when you're talking sure. about fouls on a basketball court, but when it comes to eternal matters, it certainly is mm-hmm. a certainly is one yeah. to get there. Determination
1: turned into a spiritual reality is a great thing.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, awesome. What What do you think you guys did really well as parents?
1: Wow, you I mean you know the. So easy to think of what you didn't do well. Um, I hope that we modeled a joy in serving our, our Savior in ministry and in life as a child of God, but and, and who happened to be a pastor as well. Um, not that they never saw me discouraged, I'm sure they did plenty, but I hope they saw me having joy in sharing the gospel and joy in seeing its fruit. I hope that's what they saw. Uh, they, they saw that in my wife in a in a very powerful way as well. She was a trained teacher. Uh, she stayed at home and taught them until our youngest went off to kindergarten, then she went back to teaching. But uh, they had a very, very steady influence in her. I could be a little bit more mercurial, up and down. But I hope from both of us they saw the importance of our faith to us and the joy we had in service as a husband and wife team, I hope that's the, one of the biggest impacts we had.
0: Well, in my, uh, in my preparation for the for this interview, I talked to a whole bunch of people. Not necessarily your family, um, but I talked to a whole bunch of people about about you and about you know the the work that you've done in various places. Um, I was sent a homilytics bingo card. I did not include that in, a, in the podcast pot packet. But if we if we do if we ever do this again, I might have to we might have to come out and make an appearance. <laughs> um, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) I was 22 years of
1: homiletics prof and I'm sure my patterns and, uh, Students caught on to those and uh, had more fun with it than I knew.
0: And there's well, and that's the thing is they're all like in my mind as a former teacher, like, hey, they're engaged, (laughs) they're listening, they're paying attention. Um, But what I was going to say is um, just based on the feedback I got about you and the work that you have done, and then even um, the impact that just simply watching you as a father through the years and as a husband has had on the people around you, I. I can only imagine the the amount of impact you had on your own sons. Just because when I brought you up and said, I'm interviewing you, like, do you have any intel? There's almost across the board people brought that up. So hmm. um, I know it's easy to beat, beat yourself up, and everybody, I see people certainly make mistakes and things along the way, but know that there's, there's a lot of people that uh, certainly do look up to you and respect you for that. Yeah.
1: It's it's wonderful what God does with a jar of clay. So when yeah. He uses us, it, it's it's fun to know that. Yeah. Uh, if I could, I'll I'll share with you a, just a quick story of a teen at my second congregation. Uh, it just we were having a, a Bible study, a teen Bible study between services, and uh, she had come from a very challenged family, and we were talking about marriage and what they had learned in life about what was important in that. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, she goes, well, Pastor Gergo, what I've learned is I've watched you and your wife, and I can see how you love each other. And that's what I would like to do in my marriage. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, they are watching <clears throat> more than you know. Um, So, yeah, I, I thank God for that young lady and how the impact that God maybe let us have. Yeah, who knows? It's ast- it's astounding to think about.
0: yeah. 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 I also, so both Randy and Marwan were my former students from St. Mark's. Oh, my goodness. And so I certainly don't have uh, the amount of ministry experience that you have. But even just seeing that, seeing those guys, like having taught them as 5th and 6th graders, and we, we don't need to comment about what they were like as 5th and 6th oh, graders. Yeah. But uh, We're thankful that all to our teachers see are there. them To see them here now studying mm-hmm. for ministry, and, and Randy just got confirmed as well, is a wonderful and exciting thing, too. So, very cool. Um, and you just don't need to answer this question if you don't like to. You can defer if you'd like. Um, but you you did mention that there are things that you maybe would do differently. Are there any, obviously, like I said, there's moments and and uh, that we wish we could take back. But if there was one, like th- talking to a an audience of young men um, who are going, e- either have, are starting their journey in fatherhood and hus- not husbandry, that's a different thing, or being husbands, <laughs> yeah. um, but then also, you know, just reflecting on, on your time as a dad and as a, and as a husband, um, is there anything like b- broadly that you maybe would do differently if you had the chance to do it again?
1: I think it's what I said I've learned as a grandfather that I wish I could impart to my sons better now, uh, which is to understand that God's got these things, that uh, one mistake on your part, not to let that haunt you, Where maybe you lost your patience, or you lost your temper, Um, and and not not that you blow it off and don't say, "Hey, forgive me." Um, That that piece of humility is pretty critical, but not to let it just wear and wear at you, where you've let them down. Um, Finally, they're God's children, and He just loans them to us, Um, and where you've stumbled, sometimes, not that you purposely stumble. But when you can show that you know what it means to ask for forgiveness and ask them for that, you know, dad to son or dad to daughter, I didn't have those, but same thing. Um, but just to know, God still got things under control. It's not all up to us. Uh, I think far too many times, I knew that, right, with my head. Uh, but to remember that in the reality of day to day life, that's always a challenge. If we can just. They are God's children before they're ours, and after, long after they're ours, they'll be His, and it'll be okay. It really will.
0: Yeah. Now you've mentioned several times that your your wife, um, well she, you clearly love her, right? She's a wonderful part of your I life. I do. I should state that for yeah. the fact. I shouldn't and, just nod my head. On and that. you said, how long have you been married?
1: 39 years uh, and 10 months. All right, so almost 40
0: years. Almost Congratulations 40 years. on the milestone. Thank you. <laughs> we'll say it ahead of time here. God willing, um, right? I'm not there yet, but right. uh, still yeah. breathing. All right, so um, I guess the first question is, uh, you you have the you have the opportunity to make a choice at some point, right? Is this the woman I want to spend my life with or not? What was it that sealed the deal, this is the woman you want to spend your life with?
1: She wasn't afraid of being married to a pastor are going wherever a call might lead. Lead us. Um, her dad was a pastor, and, uh, and her grandpa and her great grandpa. I mean, it was uh, <laughs> it was in her blood uh, to not not be afraid of where the calls might come to and what may happen. She knew the, she knew the drill, so to speak. Not that that was you know just trying to check off boxes. When I met her, uh, you're okay with calls? Okay, you good? Good. Your dad's a pastor. Ooh, very good. But in that. Or, or love for me and love for what I was going to be doing were a neat partnership in uh growing to to know this is the one God's given me to to spend my life with
0: yeah, are there any like moments that stick out in your brain of like oh man this might this might be the girl' Should have put you on a spot, like, wow, that. yeah, I mean there's there's me- uh, if my wife's listening, there are so many, I can't choose from them I mean,
1: I, you know i I don't know, Charlie, if I can just grab mm-hmm. one thing from forty five years yeah. ago when we first met now um, just her kindness i mean i i I can't point to a single thing that I, okay, in nineteen eighty two on December fourteenth she showed tremendous kindness, but she is. She's just a kind, steady I mean I, I think that also is what uh, taught me to love her I didn't I don't think I realized it at the time so much Again, i I am not the steady even keeled I'm more fiery mm-hmm. uh, she is the same day after day to day after day I, I think that more than I even knew at the time that was very attractive to me. We didn't need two people you know rushing around like comets you know we needed the the regular planet or orbit kind of people you know they're mm-hmm. just. Uh, steady in God's universe, and uh, I, th- I think as I look back, I don't know if I've, I've got an event that I can point to on that. Yeah. But just observing that about her.
0: Yeah. Well, and and listening to to you and men like you talk about your wives, especially um, as as pastors and administrators as well, um, that's one of the things that I. <laughs> I certainly didn't expect to be single at thirty years old, right? Um, but that is one of the things I certainly do count as a blessing. Is that as just listening to men like you, especially even men that I've had on the podcast, talk about those relationships, it has shifted my focus quite a bit as well. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm a pretty big personality, and I've often sought that out in the women that I date, um, and then kind of wondered why isn't this working? You know, <laughs> um, and that's one of the things that I have very much learned and now have very much appreciate. Um, and very much I'm looking for is that idea of: as my life gets simpler and calmer and more peaceful and more pleasant with you in it, or or is it just more chaos stacked on top of the chaos that I already create mm-hmm. for myself? Pretty, I'm pretty apt at creating chaos. So. Yep. Having somebody to, I shouldn't to say yep I don't. I don't know that.
1: <laughs> I, I shouldn't have agreed so quickly. But uh, yeah. I have not seen this chaos, by the way. Well, that's good uh, but, uh, for the record. <laughs> that's good. That's comforting to hear. To be honest, awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, so, like I said, you're trained to be a pastor. Um, you did serve as a parish pastor for. Do you, do you know? Tell you how long you served as a six parish six and a half
1: years, two places, so thirteen total.
0: Okay. All right, and then you served at the seminary for quite a while, and now you're twenty um, here... two years as, at the sem. Yep. Yeah, and then you're now you're here as as the president of Martin Luther College. So, what made uh, what made you, or I guess, what went into your decision to make that shift then from being a parish pastor um, to being a professor and an administrator? Because I, I can't imagine that that was something you went that you that was a decision you made lightly mm. to leave the parish ministry. No,
1: because I I never really wanted to be anything but a parish pastor mm-hmm. my entire life. I mean, I. For, you know, pro athlete, you know. <laughs> Mark Spitz was winning what, gold medals what, when oh, I was... Uh, were I was you a swimmer? Child. I liked to swim, okay. I, so I imagined myself swimming yeah. for gold medal. I mean, so as, as a boy, you know, you've got all the things you're imagining you're going to be. But other than a pastor, really, there was nothing I ever seriously wanted to do. So I, I would say I'm a recovering parish pastor. I've never gotten over not being one. still remember weeping in the pew on my first Easter As a SEMPROF, when I realized Mm -hmm. I'm not in the pulpit preaching about the resurrection, I'm listening, which was fine. It was a good sermon, I'm sure. But to not preach on Easter Sunday was just so foreign. Uh, So so why would I have left? Um, I had a lot of people encourage me that uh, maybe God could use the impact of uh, how I went about my pastoral ministry. I, mean, I, I hope this doesn't sound proud. Uh, to be able to train others to see pastoral ministry through that lens, the joy of the gospel and the the wonder of the fact that he uses us. Um, I, I loved Christian doctrine. I got to teach that too, especially preaching I enjoyed. So I, I think it was that sense. I'm really still a par- parish pastor at heart. But instead of doing it directly, I get to do it. I mean, over 22 years, I don't know what the total number is. Is it 800 uh, preaching students I had? So years after when I was thinking, well, I may not be preaching on Easter, but I'm preaching in hundreds of pulpits this Easter, at least a little bit of, of what I shared and taught, of uh, my guys, so to speak, that I had. Um, so, yeah, I... I would I have ever planned out my ministry as, it, as it's as it gone? No, not in a million years. Um, I, I thought I'd be a parish pastor my entire working career, that I ended up as a professor and now as an administrator. Wow, yeah, not exactly on the radar.
0: Yeah. So then along that train of thought then, um, obviously you wouldn't have taken the call here at MLC to be the uh, president unless you thought you were capable of doing the job, right? <laughs> Um, so if this, <laughs> this is going to... be the scratch. grace of God, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you might not like this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, what is it that makes you the man for the job at MLC here? Oh, my call is on the
1: wall, so it has to be. So, <laughs> mm, I mean, I say that somewhat, mm-hmm. I say, a little tongue-in-cheek, but very seriously. If you could see over my shoulder, over my standing desk, which, of course, on a podcast, you cannot see. <laughs> but eye level above my standing desk is my call. And I remind God regularly, I did not put myself here, you did. Uh, especially on difficult days when I'm wondering, what in the world am I doing here? Uh, wh- why am I the president of MLC in the midst of this or that that's come up, or this challenge, or this question? And then I look at my call, and in Nomenayesu, in the name of Jesus, it says across the top, uh, God called me here. I think we can, we can answer why by hindsight better than foresight when I got done at a particular parish, the two parishes I had, or at the seminary, and looking back, you can kind of see, well, maybe this is how God used my gifts here. So I, I'm i not fully sure, other than there are a lot of people, okay, they won't mind me saying this. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of my my greatest mentors, right? This Your podcast is about men mentoring men, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, are Dave Valesky, former seminary president, and uh, Frosty Bivens. Uh, long-time seminary professor. Uh, they, when I got the call, and uh, Dave Valesky, who had talked me to leave the parish to come and serve under him at the seminary, called me. And I was sure he was going to say to stay at SEM. He would talked me into that in the first place. And out of the blue, it seemed to me, he said, I think you should take this call and go serve at MLC. Mark Zarling has served so wonderfully well. I think you're the person who can continue the good things Mark has done and just carry on. I think you should go. That just stunned me. I was not going to go. I was sure I was staying until that phone call. And then uh, Frosty Bivens, it was a one-two punch about a day later, who also loves the seminary, served it longer than I did, who said to me, I think you should go too. So when two of my mentors who often are more objective about me than I am about me, urged me to go. That turned the table. I'm not saying the next day I wrote my letter and said I'm coming. But uh it it didn't it never went back the other way after that. So it wasn't so much that I thought I, I can do this and I'm well, I'm gonna be great at it. <laughs> that would be <laughs> arrogance. At least in my book I would say it was be arrogance. But uh the, the voice of in hindsight, I would say that God used to, to uh, break me away from a place I loved where I was sure I was going to
0: retire and uh, here I am. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that because on, on very different scales, obviously, in very different um, times of life, I, I actually see the same, a very similar pattern of how I ended up back here as a student is when I graduated in 2014, you you couldn't have paid me to, to come back. You know, It's like I'm done with school. I'm never going to school again. I'm going to be a teacher. Let's go. Um, and... Uh, before COVID started, there were um, it, during the calendar year before COVID started, there were three different conversations. One was my my godmother, and then two men who they weren't formal mentors by any means, but very much speak and spoke into my life. Um, each of them just out of the blue, I wasn't even thinking about it or talking to anybody about it. Just said, "One of my my godmother said, um, so Charlie, when are you gonna do it?'" I was like. Do What, like, you're talking about getting married, you know? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, When are you gonna go be a pastor? And it wasn't a like, Hey, have you ever thought about it? It was like, When are you gonna go do this? We already know this right. is where you're, where you're headed, Charlie. Yeah. Now, when and is it starting? Just, huh? And I laughed, I laughed, I, I, I'm sorry, and Jane, I laughed right in her face. It's like, No, that's never happening. And a couple of weeks later, the football season started, and one of the dads who was a former cult worker, um, says, Charlie, you're coming to my house tonight. And I was like, oh, what did I do? You know. <laughs> and he uh, takes me in the back, hands me a beer, and says, all right, let's talk about you becoming a pastor. I was like, oh, my. What? <laughs> and then a similar thing happened a couple of weeks after that, and it hadn't ever crossed my mind. And like you said, from hindsight, that's that's basically what I said when at the beginning of the podcast, right? This is exactly where, clearly now, exactly where I'm supposed to be, and I would have never thought that, and I was not sure of that upon arrival either. I mean, it was kind of a burn-the-ships moment, and so there was no choice to look back, but um t- to some extent um but looking back from this perspective, it certainly certainly was the right move and and I wouldn't have been wise enough to make it without without that influence either uh, so it's cool that you actually that was one of the things I was going to ask about where where some of the men the most important men in your life, I might still ask you a little bit of that at the end well, there of are time, others but, too They're right that's giving me many yeah absolutely but uh, to lean uh keep leaning into m l c um I, this is a tough question, but I think it needs to be asked the uh There's a lot of people, and it's not just an MLC question, really. Um, There's a lot of people that are starting to have conversations and Actually, I don't think it's a new conversation. It just maybe is a new round of people having a conversation um, about specifically like single-purpose vocational ministry schools, such as MLC. But there's plenty of others around from all kinds of different denominations, and there's a growing number community of people. At least it seems from my podcasting experience and some of the conversations around MLC um, that. There's a growing impression that institutions like this, not that we won't have pastors or churches, right but that institutions such as this, which solely and singly serve the purpose of preparing called workers, will not exist in twenty years or everybody has a different number right um what's your what's your reaction to an to an idea like that
1: Well first of all, I'm just not sure there are all that many,
0: okay, I'd be glad uh, to hear that yeah
1: i I would say we're already a bit of an anomaly. So it's not that it's becoming an anomaly, becoming rare, it's already rare. Uh, I I would challenge anyone who raises that question to walk our campus and breathe the uniqueness of a campus where everyone is thinking about the same thing. Not only a common faith, but a common purpose. Again, is everyone who's here certain they wanna be in public ministry? Of course not. We'd empty out a third of the campus if we said that was necessary. But the beauty of the fact that from every devotion in chapel, to every conversation of an advisor with a student, the conversations among students, we know why we're here. Whether that's what we're going to do someday, only God knows that. But we know why we're here. There is a beauty to the singular focus that we have. Will Will, this, will that exist 20 years from now? I pray it does. I can't. I have no crystal ball to say it will, but I don't think it is our challenge. Uh, I know our enrollment is, along with many colleges and teacher education colleges, more than anything, are down. Uh, I don't mean to make an excuse by saying that, um, but I I don't I think we would be <clears throat> killing the goose that lays the golden egg if we would throw away having a single purpose school. God may show in a generation or two that I was wrong in that conviction. That's fine. I've been wrong on other things before. But what I see and the beauty and attractiveness of of that, uh, I think what we've got to get past is uh, I I fear we've lost parents seeing this as something to encourage others to do. Sometimes it almost stuns me um, that they're... Because of the distance that they might be away from home someday, with a call, or maybe it's also that they're thinking dollars and cents. Although that's about a generation old argument that is no longer quite what it once was. Um, I'm going way too much in detail, Charlie. But I no. I, I think there are other challenges that we need to answer <clears throat> far, far sooner than we simply lose. Or throw the floodgates open and say, hey, if we're going to be able to exist. we just got to have more majors, more things people can train for. We'll still be a Christian college. And, yeah, I'm sure that could work perhaps. But this singular focus and this commonality that breathes through our campus, um, again, I don't mean to paint this as a perfect place. Every one of us knows it is not. But there is that beauty. Of a shared purpose and a shared understanding, and you hear it again and again and again, just just in the applications in chapel that you can make because you don't have to say, "Well, some of you are going to do this, and some of you are
0: going to." I mean,
1: we're on the same page. We're singing out of the same hymnal, literally yeah, and figuratively.
0: Yeah. Oh, and that's exactly what drew me back. Um, and I, I would, I would, I love the way you you put that—the idea of breathing, breathing in. I don't know the energy maybe that's not mm-hmm. the right word, but of what's going on here. And there is just absolutely no other place like it. There right? isn't.
1: I don't I do not know of another school like ours. I really yeah. I'm sure someone can point it out. So please send me an email. Well but I understand uh, <laughs> the only reason I know
0: of any of them is just because of the circles that I happen to run because sure. of this. And um yeah, I know I, I would ah man. I I part of the reason maybe it's maybe a it's maybe it is anecdotal that um, I even have that impression, but I do have people ask me questions like that and say things. Well, it's a fair question to right. ask, right? And uh, I don't know. I wholeheartedly agree with you that there is something about this place, um, and I honestly I don't know if I can't put my finger on it, but there's something about this place. Um, and the fact that we are all going into I don't know it's almost we kind of ju- it's almost a joke on campus about the brotherhood and things you know because we say it so often but cliches are cliche for a reason right um, And that single-minded purpose definitely does play a role in both the encouragement of students that are here and um, I mean even just the recruitment to be a part of it as well.
1: We breathe in more than we know yeah and it impacts us more than we are aware of.
0: yeah, yep. Um, So before we move in too positive a direction, that was sarcasm, (laughs) Uh, um, what what would you say, do you think, um, uh, from the Office of the President, from that perspective, what do you think is the issue, the most pressing issue facing MLC as an institution at the moment?
1: Oh, it's certainly enrollment. I mean, the fact that we were over low 700s before COVID hit, and now that we're at 600 or a few under, I even hate to admit, at the end of the school year here, uh, full-time students. That's a huge issue. Uh, At the very same time that we're trying to open 100 new missions in 10 years, and our schools are growing in ways that no one would have anticipated even five years ago. And so the vacancies are in the hundreds. You total up pastors and teachers while our enrollment goes down. God knows what he's doing. I, I have no doubt about that, but it certainly is the thing I pray most about. Send workers into the harvest, Lord. I mean... I know he's got other ways he can do it. But as far as how we do it as a church body, this is where most of them come from. Uh, And I think the real challenge, okay, (laughs) I'm going to be bringing this up at a synod convention this summer in a presentation. We had lost for about 30 years the regular and routine praying in our congregations for workers. When the 92 hymnal came out, it was a beautiful hymnal, great up improvement of the old hymnal I grew up with. But there was a loss, unintentionally, of a regular prayer in the family of God for the next generation of workers. You can't find one in the whole hymnal. The new hymnal has restored that, the one that came out in 2021. Uh, I would challenge you to, to, to think out loud about the impact of that. If we could once again have that prayer heard again and again and again. Because what you hear at corporate worship, more than we know it, again, we breathe these things in, we begin to imitate that at home. So I just wonder how much we lost, without intending to, of holding this up high in the hearts and minds of of a whole generation. I mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm sometimes stunned at uh, those who almost discourage their children from public ministry, whom I know well. I'm thinking, why would you do that? Um, I I think of the blessing that I've experienced and that I've seen my sons experience through it, even with the I know they bear a cross in doing it. Um, there are days when, just like for me, uh, I, I would be rid of it in a moment if it were just plainly up to me. And yet the blessings of it are beyond expression. Um And the I just wonder how much of not praying that regularly together as the family of God impacted us. I only I just raise that as a question. I don't know the answer. I have no statistics I can prove on that one. But I I just I think if you ask what the real challenge is behind enrollment, it's holding up high again in the hearts of of more of God's people in our church body, the beauty. Whoever desires the office of, a, of the ministry desires a beautiful thing, Paul said to Timothy, whose dad was a Greek and an unbeliever. So I don't think Timothy's dad was saying, oh, Timothy, I'm so proud of you. You're hanging around with that Paul guy. He's a he's in prison, you know. Wow, that's great. I'm sure he was really impressed. Not. Uh, but Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone tell you differently. This is a beautiful work. I If we can instill that again in the hearts of parents and grandparents, to say to their young sons and daughters, this is a beautiful thing. You wish to go towards the ministry? I'm not going to discourage you. Uh, I'm going to encourage you. Uh, when God grants that day, we won't have to worry about our enrollment.
0: Yeah, and maybe this is the subject of your of your talk, um, but how do we do that?
1: Well, uh, the prayer is coming back. I, I That's what hit me just, just a couple weeks ago. Suddenly I looked at it and I go, yeah, where was that for 30 years? We hadn't done that. I mean, not that there weren't recruitment Sundays, but it was sporadic. It was rare. It, you had to think to do it. It wasn't just there. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> As I think back on ministry, I love sports. Okay, Charlie, please don't 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 hear me speaking it. I played. Three sports in high school, I played two in college. My sons all played sports here at MLC. Um, there's some fond memories, good lots of learning that takes place. But any good thing God gives can be turned into an idol by our own hearts. And that's one place where I see I see some children of called workers who would be wonderful called workers, but they're also pretty good at let's just say basketball or football or baseball, whatever it is. And their eyes are big with, hey, I could get recruited. I could play for a big, big program. I could I uh, I could, I could maybe get a scholarship and it won't cost me anything. And I think of some of the families where I've watched that take place. And in the end, you wondered, was this a gain, really? You went there because you got free tuition and you ended up and your faith was in tatters. And maybe you uh, made a little name for yourself in basketball in that conference and they knew your name. But uh, the key is that you know that God knows your name. And uh, um, I, I just fear we are buying more than we know. Again, yeah. I'm not against sports. I love our sports programs on this campus, and I wish it to prosper because you learn leadership, you learn t- tenacity, you learn working together with others, all of which plays into ministry. Plus, we have schools that need coaches yeah, and Fayette instructors. All those things are wonderful gifts, but if we if we begin to forget that this is not what life is all about and uh, there is something better than a scholarship that can be gained in life um, wow i just i so that's a second thing we got to learn to pray about this again we learned to speak of it as a beautiful thing and we we need to learn to remember what it is that really lasts and really matters bottom line I do not know how you can make an argument for anything beyond. I'm not saying the public ministry is the only way to serve Jesus, but I find it pretty hard to find make an argument why if someone has the gifts, you wouldn't at least think about it. and why on earth you would discourage that if I were
0: a parent or a grandparent. Yeah Part of me uh, part of me can't help but think that uh, that could in a very real way also be a product of like the first generation with social media too you know, where you have, especially once you get into the TikTok and and Instagram generation, which is very much the battle that we're fighting at the moment. I mean, thinking about as my years as a teacher, and you're, we don't, we're, I think we're beginning now to understand and realize, um, but I'm not sure we ever, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure we, yeah, I'm not sure we we did until now, and probably still not now, really understand um, just the amount of influence that we give to just Random people out in the world through our cell phones, right? And the things that are being praised and the things that are being pushed—I um, I don't think we realize—and I don't think parents until recently, maybe realized, maybe even not even now, realized just how much influence they're sacrificing and giving up um, in order to give their kid a cell phone or whatever. It might be. And I'm certainly not anti-cell phone; like it's a wonderful no, no. blessing to be able to know where your children are. Yep. Um, but I don't—I don't know. I think. It's just that—that's what kind of came to mind as you were saying that. In, in my mind,
1: well, yeah, you had a a gener—I mean, I'll say my generation raising children when we we didn't grow up di- in a digital world, mm-hmm. and so we didn't probably understand fully the impact that was having on our children until sometimes you go, "Oh my goodness, they're spending how much time on that, and who's having influence on them, and the bullying and the the pressure to get the likes." Yeah. I think that you're on, you're on to something there too, Charlie. I just think what it's done to mental health in particular. Mm-hmm. And that certainly has been an issue for us in enrollment and loss of students. Um, I mean, the rising generation of high schoolers and college students, the amount of struggles with mental, mental health issues, my heart bleeds for them. And uh, I will freely admit to having struggled with a mild to moderate depression multiple times, and I know what that can do and how that can... How the clouds can sink in, and especially if you've got a 200 people that are that are hating you online or <laughs> or disliking anything you do that smacks of being a Christian. Uh, I just can't imagine what that impact would be, especially when I'm just learning to form my whole sense of my identity.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I've honestly I've almost given this up several times, for some of those same reasons. It's like I I, I don't want to fight this battle anymore. Um, but I see the value that it brings, and you know, like the, the fact that we can shout out at the end of the at the end of the episode. I'll bring it up now. But we'll bring it up at the end of the episode again. The fact that I can say we've got a bunch of listeners in South Sudan who often listen to us and say, "Brothers, we're praying for you." That's not something I'm willing to give up. Nope. You know.
1: No, and if it, finally if if the voice of those who believe in Christ goes silent from the airwaves or the digital waves of whatever it may be uh that that doesn't help anyone either yeah yeah it's it's not the technology that is our fault you said it before i'm not anti technology of course not it's a gift of god used wisely it does some astounding things but yeah the challenge where it's unsupervised or yeah. by those who don't have the maturity to know hey this isn't who i am and uh god 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 tells me who i am not my my peers when you're 12, 13, 14, 15, your peers are incredibly important. And now suddenly you have thousands of peers who are mm. peering into your life mm-hmm. in a way that's not helpful.
0: Yeah. On the flip side of things, what would you say, MLC, as a, as an institution, what would you say the number one best thing besides the fact that the gospel is preached? And I don't mean to make light of that at well, all. That's a given. Um, but, right, we right, we besides say the a given. Gi- right. Well, but it, it, it's it certainly we ought to be. Yeah, right. right. Um, besides that, what would you say, and maybe you, I know it's hard to narrow it down to one thing probably, but what would you say, just number one, slam bang, this is the best thing MLC's got going for it at the moment?
1: Yeah, if we can't choose the number one, number one thing, which is the gospel and the presence of Christ, I think it is a faculty who has been out in the ministry. We we are not a faculty of, of academics, and not, but I, I say that not because, well, they're a bunch of dummies. No, they most clearly are not, but... They typically did not get here because they were excelling purely in academics and had wowed the world and had been published and had written books all over the place. They got here because they were thriving in ministry, and we called them here to model that. Um, And and so we we often have people that go to their schooling after they get here (laughs) and get more training in their specialty, in their area they'll be teaching. But the fact that our, our campus is made up of a faculty that models ministry, or we encourage them to do so, that's what they were trained for, and I, I believe they do it really quite well, that, that is part of the secret sauce as well.
0: Absolutely. And this is going to maybe sound strange. I think you'll understand where I'm coming from, but maybe this sounds strange to say. It's also kind of cool and encouraging that there's, there's been a number, both from the seminary and from L.C., a number of professors who have chosen to go back out into the field. Right, Which tells you just the extent to which our faculty has a heart for ministry itself is that and they almost kind of come do their time at the college or at the seminary, right, and then their heart is so very much in in ministry that when they have the opportunity to return to it, they take that opportunity. It, it's appealing.
1: yeah, we think of uh, our campus pastor after uh yeah. m- two two and a half decades on our campus going back out because longing to finish his ministry as a mission pastor. I mean, how can I uh, fault him for that? Well, well, that's awful. Why would you want to go do that? Well, that's what we train people for. Yeah. We can't... Now, don't say that too often to our faculty. I don't want to empty the campus, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, part of it, too, is that we're calling people younger than we used to mm. into worker training. Uh, it used to be a place where you went to retire. I mean, you, it was almost unheard of, especially at the seminary, but also here at MLC or DMLC beforehand. It was quite rare that someone left but now I think we're calling people younger who are, who are you know, still just 10 years out or maybe 12 years out, and that means they've got 30 to 40 years of ministry yet. Uh, does that mean they're sentenced? God forbid they think of it that <laughs> way. Uh, to being on our campus or at our seminary's campus for those years? No. Um, I'm glad when they do stay. Um, I, I, I long for a faculty, and I believe we have it, Who has a part of them that always wants to be in the classroom or in the pulpit or on a mission uh, prospect visit with someone who doesn't know jesus that 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 a part of their heart is always there that's not a problem that's the point otherwise how do you teach how do you encourage others to do well i didn't like doing that but i hope you go do it that that doesn't work very well the fact that our students can see yeah it, it sounds strange but one of the saddest days at seminary and here for many a paraff, maybe not all of them, but for many, is call day. I mean, we're delighted for those who are going out, but there's a part of us that goes, "Oh, I wouldn't mind doing that one. <laughs> I wouldn't. Oh, that one's a neat call. <laughs> wow, that'd be awesome." Yeah. Uh, so there's a part of us that wants to go along, um, and in a way, of course, do, we do. That maybe that's what comforts me. I think those who stay here, um, you, you really do go. You've, yeah. you've imparted. You've been a tool of God to impart a bit of a ministry mindset and a shepherd's heart and a teacher's uh, compassion for their students into that young man or young woman that's been in front of you. So you do go with them.
0: Yeah. I personally was blessed by uh, John Lorenz. Uh, My Ah. first call was at St. Marcus. He was there. The Lorenz Lorenz boys were all still at St. Marcus at the time. And um, so even from just reflecting on that experience, the amount, you think about the number of like hours of professional development and things, and the intentionality that goes into teaching to then go back out into the field with that kind of knowledge, too. It might seem like it's a backdoor, but really it's just another like you're almost, you know, unleashing. I don't, I don't, I was gonna say like a wild animal, that's probably not the right term. <laughs> way to look at well,
1: it, a lot of pent up energy of ministry yeah. and preaching and making prospect visits yeah. that you didn't get to do for a decade or yeah. two.
0: I guess it's a powerful release back into the city yeah. if you think yep. of it that way. Yep. Cool. All right. Now you've talked quite a bit about um, the your own strengths and the strengths of the people around you. Um, I've heard through the grapevine that you are passionate about strength finders. You want to talk to that a little bit? I am a I am a certified
1: Clifton Strengths strength coach trained by Gallup. Um, I think you know, I I didn't go into that because I knew I'd be president of MLC someday, <laughs> but. Uh, now that I am, and now that I, I got that training when I was a seminary professor, I taught, uh, I, I, I had all the seniors used to do strength finders and I would help them through their reports, but I wasn't trained to do it. So I got the training and then poof, I got a call. I mean, I, I'm not saying the two were directly connected, but the beauty of it is my task I, here is to help every one of our faculty and our staff to function better in the place God has put them, with the gifts God has given them. Not longing to be someone else, somewhere else, but to be who they are, where they are. Um, Is is Gallup and its Clifton strengths an infallible uh, know-all, do-all piece of uh, something revealed from heaven? Of course not. But is it a fascinating glimpse into one element of the wonder of how God has uniquely crafted us all? And can that be an earthly tool that we can tune and share for the gospel, I believe it is. And I've had, right now I'm working one-hour visits with every faculty and staff member who would like to do it. So far we've been about 70. Um, I don't know if everyone will do it. I'm I'm not going to put their arm behind their back by any means. They don't have to. But the conversations have been fascinating. And uh, insights, and it's not like there's always, you know, the little light bulb going off that you can see over everyone, but there have been some... (laughs) Awesome conversations of people grasping a little more clearly why they may be where they are, when they are, with the opportunities that are in front of them. The last question I ask them every time, now that we've discussed your, your themes, your strengths, what's the challenge, what's the opportunity in front of you right now where you serve at MLC, where you can, our, our strategic plan is pursuing excellence under the cross. Where can this help you pursue excellence? By taking what God has made you good at and and pointing that at an opportunity or challenge in front of you. And then the conversation gets really fun as they begin and we begin to explore what that could mean. And uh, I tell them when I start, I'm having way too much fun doing this. Why they pay me (laughs) for this, I do not know. Uh, uh, That does not tire me. uh, Those are are energizing hours I spend uh, with our staff and faculty. And I hope it's energizing and encouraging for them gives them a little sense of yeah thank you lord for the gifts you've given me uh, i don't have to apologize for who i am you made me this way uh, i want to be the best version of by the grace of god the best version of me that you have enabled can enable me to be let's go for it
0: awesome so all right, I've got one more thing I want to ask you. Then before we start closing it out here. here, right. is uh, one of your hallmarks. As you you said, energy, like six different times during during your spiel on on uh, strength finders, right? And that is clearly something you value, and it's one of your hallmarks too. Is your I mean, you're at like sometimes it's mind boggling all the campus events that you're at, um, and you you always, maybe not always, but in my experience you always are present as well, which is not something that's easy to do. You've been, I mean, you spend a weekend with your family. You're very present here as well. Um, that's not something that you can do if you're not taking care of, care of yourself physically, right? Um, and so, if you've ever been around, if you've been around New Ulm in the summertime, you've seen President Girl go riding his bike around, right? Um, the uh, the uh, the very well-used New Ulm Bicycle Circle, right?
1: The Circle Tour. It's yes. a
0: great, it's a great, first of all, it's a great trail. It's a good mm-hmm. one. More, more small towns should have something like that. Uh, but it's clearly something that you value and is important to you. Uh, I just, I, I also very much value it. It is important to me as well. Not very many men um, who get past their, um, you know, early middle age continue to be as healthy as you are. Um, can you talk to why that's so valuable and why you've been so consistent about your health over the years?
1: Well, I wish I could say I always had been, Charlie. Um, I was in a doctoral program at seminary. Um, had just moved into a new position as director of continuing education. And my exercise was way too sporadic and I ended up in the emergency room three times with anaphylactic shock, you know, turning as red as a lobster and had to get uh, adrenaline uh, so that I could breathe again because my throat was closing up. And uh, it was kind of a, hey, gurgle. I considered a wake-up call to say, you know, you're not as young as you used to be and you can't burn the candle at both ends. Uh, Yeah, you're taking care of your spiritual heart, but you know, your other heart maybe needs a little attention. I don't know if you've noticed, Gurgle, but you are attached to a body. You know, uh, there's the ancient Gnostics, or you, I am trying to think of. Uh, oh, I can't think of another group right now. That well, I've got a, I've got a. Uh, Docetus. They I only go. thought they had a body. <laughs>
0: I think uh, I maybe, mean, yeah, that's it. Docetism. Well, like you said, "I am about to take a philosophy exam in two days. I okay, don't sorry. know that too." Yeah, we're
1: reviewing. I, I knew you were going to do that, Charlie. So well, I, I had to help you. I know the answer. I don't know
0: that too. So. Yeah, it's the docetist. Yeah. I
1: mean, this, this, this hyper spirituality that forgets mm-hmm. that we that we. We're physical beings. God made us this way, and uh, so I, I would freely—I'll freely, freely confess—I I always valued this, but I didn't make the time for it that I have in the last fifteen years, and it has paid rich dividends. Those those anaphylactic shock and all kinds of allergies that came out of nowhere, stress, not enough exercise. Uh, yeah, it taught me that that hour, forty-five minutes to an hour devoted every morning. Uh, both the, my physical heart and then my sp- heart, heart, my faith, my devotional life, those are my first two hours of the day. Uh, both of those hours don't cost, they pay. Mm-hmm. They pay me back in more ways. I, I know that by faith, I realize, not always by sight. But uh, to let to let those get squeezed out of my life, is a f- that's foolishness on my part. I've done it way too many times. Um, that's an investment in the fact that God made me a body and soul creature. And if I'm not feeding my own heart in life, how in the world can I take care of others? Um, It just doesn't work. You can only give out what you have been given. So both in physical health, the energy and strength to serve others, that's important. And spiritual health, the energy and strength of the spirit to share with others comes from listening. Physical energy often comes from exercising. You release a lot of endorphins. So I'm a big
0: fan of endorphins. Absolutely. Awesome. (laughs) Love it. How are you going to show up meaningfully in in people's lives if you literally can't show up, right? So if you want to be present, you got to make sure you're able to do so. And
1: and I'll say this. I I won't say who they are, but I have three people on this campus who every year I check back with and say, you tell me if I've lost the energy and the strength to keep doing this. If I'm becoming a hindrance to MLC, I don't want to be the last one to know. I'd rather be kind of clued in early. Uh, if I need to step away because I just don't have the energy and strength to do it, I, I want to I want to be ready to step down when I need to do so. So I've got a super secret committee awesome. that's uh, prepared to tell me when All that right. day has come. I, pr- I pray they
0: don't have to say it for a while, but that's God's business. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I hope you stick around for a good long time too. We'll see. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, while you're uh, while we're sitting in here having this conversation, I can't help but think of one of the uh, one of the titles of uh, the Theodore Rex series um, is or no, it's not Theodore. Wow, what is it called? The guy that wrote the Teddy Roosevelt series though. One of the books is called The Lion in the White House. Mm-hmm. I can't help but think while you're sitting there, I'm just thinking, man, this is the this is the lion in the president's office right here. <laughs> I love it. 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 All right, uh, we're gonna finish out here with ten not so tough questions. So the idea is you Ooh. don't think you just answer, right? Okay, some of go. them are sillier than others. Um, some of them are, anyway, we're just going to jump into it. So give me your gut, gut, gut reaction to each question. Um, <laughs> so like I said, they're tailored, tailored mostly to you. Some of them we just like to hear the answers. So here we go. Uh, number one, what is your favorite baseball moment in history?
1: The Milwaukee Brewers getting to the World Series and almost becoming world champions. I'm a big Brewer, Milwaukee Brewer fan. So, 82 it's a long time ago, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, now you've said that something publicly. Like that. Yeah, it is something like that. 81, 82, I can't remember. All right. Yeah. How about
0: them Cubbies in 2016? Just saying. I will just say I did cheer for them. Any <laughs> team go. that has to wait over a century to get their World Series I deserves I wept to like be a cheered. baby. I wept like a baby. <laughs> All right, second question. Number two, what is your favorite heresy to refute?
1: Wow remember you are talking to a dog prof for 12 years. I taught, <laughs> I taught them all. I mean, I didn't teach the heresies, but taught about them. Favorite heresy to refute is uh, every denial of the deity of Jesus, all like right. Jehovah's Witness or Mormon or, you, or, sadly, much of Christianity that have taught him merely as a good teacher or a moral, moral guide. Mm-hmm. So teach the beauty of the deity of Jesus to overcome all the lies and errors in that area.
0: Amen. Number three, what's your favorite menu item in the MLC cafeteria?
1: Oh, it's ice cream. Unfortunately, what flavor? Maple nut.
0: Okay. Oh, I got it. My dad loved mm. maple
1: nut, and he taught me to love maple nut ice cream.
0: Awesome. All right. Number four, what do you do that drives your wife crazy? Many things. I
1: have to pick one. <laughs> uh, I I am a. I can be very spontaneous far as, uh, hey, let's go do this tonight. I know we were planning this, but hey, let's just go out. Nuts to the meal you've been working on all day. (laughs) Uh, And she is a steady, I told you, right? And I come along and I make changes to the things she's been planning all day and I'm all excited about it. Then I realize I've hurt my bride because uh, once again, he's way up in the clouds like Icarus and his wings are about to melt and he's about to plummet to the earth. So Yeah. Among the many things I do, that's one of them that's that i sure drives her nuts.
0: All right. Number five, you're forced to trade lives with any one celebrity, alive or dead, and live in their shoes for one year. Who do you choose? Define celebrity. Can it be just I, famous, I, someone from history?
1: Yeah. The Apostle Paul.
0: Oof. I don't know if I have what it takes for that. <laughs> well, I don't either, but you said I like, could trade. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like Maybe like that first year in Corinth, right? All the success. Yeah. <laughs> Or Ephesus, you know, maybe. It would depend on the the year for sure.
1: The courage to he who once caused suffering to endure it and be unafraid of it. And I I say that maybe particularly because I think that day is coming for us. Mm -hmm. How we we don't drive the bus of American culture anymore. We're hardly even welcome in the back of the bus. So that's what I would want to learn from Paul. How did you do that, Paul? How are you unafraid?
0: Yeah. Love it. Question number six, who has been the most influential man in your life? Uh,
1: My brother, Bob, 10 years older than me, also pastor. Uh, we, We sometimes joke about being three times brothers, brother in Christ, brother in ministry, brother in family.
0: Yeah, hands down. My brother, All Bob. Right. Shout out to Bob. Question number seven, if you had to pick a career outside of the ministry, what would you do? Oh, I never
1: really seriously considered anything else, but I love airplanes, and uh, I, I would have loved to have learned how to be a pilot, too.
0: Awesome. Okay, question number eight, if they were stranded on an uncharted island, Gilligan's Island style, which faculty is more likely to survive, the MLC SPAM faculty or the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary faculty? Uh, the, the MLC
1: faculty, because uh, there are science science guys and um, who, who understand, uh, we could make a fire. Uh, our, our WLS faculty is uh, loves theology, but uh, we may be very focused on that. and We may starve because no one uh, knows how to uh, exist out in the wild.
0: Yeah. Maybe throw bushcraft in as a j term or something. Right? Yeah, I suppose I'm, I'm,
1: I'm poaching a little bit. Yeah. I'm poaching because I'm thinking probably not only of the pre-sem faculty, but a little bit of the education faculty.
0: They teach future pastors. They do. They teach So we can pastors. use them too. So. Absolutely. Sorry, my brothers at WLS. <laughs> I love you. Question number nine. You're only allowed to keep one song on your playlist for the rest of your life. What song do you pick? One song? Let's say hymns and worship aren't included in that. Oh. Well, no. You just removed
1: my entire playlist. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, wow. It has to be, well, it's it's not technically a hymn. But I mean, <laughs> there are Bach cantatas mm. that so beautifully capture the wonder of mm. portions of scripture. But that's a little bit cheating, because then he will typically, in that cantata, of course, build it off him. But I listen, yeah, I listen to music when I when I do my... Scripture, reading, and prayer. And it's always, not always Bach, but almost always.
0: All right. No, that's not cheating. It's a good answer. Uh, Question number 10. What Christian pop culture trend should make a comeback?
1: (laughs) I can't say none. (laughs) (laughs) Pop culture trend. Christian pop culture trend should make a comeback. Oh, wow. Wow. See, I live too much outside of the pop culture, so I don't even know what to ask for. Um, give me just a moment. I'm thinking. <laughs> pop culture trend should make a comeback. Well, depends on how ancient the pop culture is. Uh, at one point, it was the consistent and almost unanimous culture of the Christian church to be in the Word on a daily basis on your own. And it was it was, it's been lost for a couple generations. I know pop culture. You're probably thinking 20th or 21st century. I'm thinking 16th, 17th. Probably by the time there were enough people who could read, but uh, it was once a given that the Christian, of course, would be in the Word. I mean, in a sense, Bible study began in our congregations because people weren't doing it at home. <laughs> it, it would be a nice both and, but it's, sadly, it's sometimes an. It, tends to be an either or. So there. That's way too far back. I'm poaching. I'm cheating.
0: You know what? That's a great answer though, because we have a we have a tendency in a modern church to have this idea that I you do know it's the idea of like modern supremacy over any other era, right? Yeah, and the necessary... arrogance of the current yeah. generation of every current generation right no yeah, it certainly isn't something new that's a good answer too yep. awesome all right as i said um those of you who are listening from especially eastern africa um you continue to be in our prayers uh, god be with you um and then also brothers and sisters in ukraine i said on the last episode that we weren't getting a whole lot of listeners but we do we, we had a couple during the last week so god's blessings be with or god be with you um we're praying for peace uh, very very soon uh president rich girl thanks for being on the podcast very much Thank appreciate you, your time It was fun to talk um, with you yeah and uh, anybody anybody considering ministry well i'll make sure i put the uh, links in the po- podcast notes below um to mlc uh, feel free to reach out uh we would love to have you up here on the hill um and uh blessings to everybody this will come out the probably the day before graduation so blessings to everybody um, who is uh, going out for the summer or uh, receiving a call uh, or entering the next phase of life here Um, As the school year ends, um, like I said, God be with you until we meet again. Uh, That's all i got for you this week, gentlemen. Go be the men that God created you to be. We will see you next time. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, editing, and distributing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you'd like to contact us with comments, questions, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at any of the links in the description below or on our website. Please consider supporting the work of Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping at our online store, or making a $5 cup of coffee donation at www.girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure you like, friend, follow, and subscribe to Gird Up and all of our guests on your social media platforms, and consider leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the Gird Up podcast so that others can find us and be blessed by our content too. As always, thanks for listening. Now go and be the man that Guy created you to be. We'll see you next time.